0: Hi, I'm Dr. Sonny Ravencourt from the University of Coruscant. And when I can't find reliable
1: information for a lecture, I steal it from the Jedi Temple Archive podcast. Seriously, I do. Their security is terrible. There's like one old lady running the whole place.
2: This
0: podcast is part of
2: the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit Red5Network.com. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given.
1: Do you think you're up to the task?
0: Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host Rob and we are recording this episode on Saturday, February 26th, 2022. All mm-hmm. right, so we are back and this week Tom is on a road trip. We'll get to that in just a minute, but filling in for him, I have a uh, very adequate representation in the form of Pat and Charles. From the Conversations Podcast. Good friends and always a great time to podcast with. So, Pat, Charles, welcome back to the Jedi Temple Archives Podcast.
2: Well, it's always good to be adequate. And um, I, uh, I appreciate you having us. And Charles is, well, he's here too. Yeah, you have yeah, well, to. Well, less it, than
1: adequate. You, you
2: got to get it in. You <laughs> no, gotta... our, the average between
1: <laughs> us is adequate. You well, always multiply the two of us together. Yeah, we still don't match Tom. So, thank you for having us, though. We appreciate the. Uh... We appreciate the vote of confidence. Consolation
2: prize. <laughs>
0: The Red 5 consolation prize. So, yeah, uh, speaking of Tom, I did allude to the fact he's on a uh, cross-country journey. He went from California out to Florida to pick up his uh, stepson, Scott, and they are now headed back to California to uh, to meet up with Tom's wife, Michelle, uh, and spend some time out there together. So hopefully you guys are having a safe road trip. Uh, I know that you guys should be pulling in here on Sunday when this is going to be out and live, but uh, we'll give you a little bit of companionship on the road. And- and uh, any, uh, any messages you guys have for Tom and uh, Scott?
1: I really hope Scott's enjoying the trip and the Encanto and Hamilton soundtracks that are for sure playing loudly in the car.
2: Yeah, that's. I uh, again, I wish both of them safe travels and hope that they um, get settled back in soon so that you can get an upgrade back on the next JTA.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> we will go from adequate back to uh, subpar. Oh, no. <laughs> and cut. <laughs>
2: oh man i
0: didn't want a lot of editing i'm doing it to myself but
2: yeah, there you go it's <laughs> all you buddy yeah
0: and in addition to uh to scott and todd we did want to give a shout out to ro uh red leader here at red five network uh he and his family are going through the loss of uh, his stepfather and ro our thoughts and prayers are going out to you hopefully uh you guys get through this tough time i know that uh part of the part of the way that you deal with this kind of stuff is certainly through friends and star wars uh so hopefully you get a chance to listen to this and uh, we are thinking about you my friend
1: yes sir we're always here for you brother and you know we're hero for you and if we is if anything we can do just let us know
0: Absolutely. So uh with that all being said and taken care of, we are gonna jump into tonight's main topic, which is my personal favorite uh Jedi character of all time. I know that uh you know Pat certainly has Obi-Wan as as his go-to and and Charles is a massive fan of Jedi Master T M Horton. So uh <laughs> Sorry about that. I couldn't I like think of another. I like
2: Hamilton better. Uh, right, be a right. of all favorite things.
1: Hey, the way he wields his Timbits is just absolutely huh. awe-inspiring.
0: He is. It's, he's a Canadian hero. Yeah, certainly. The one. But yeah, uh... Jedi Master Plo Koon, certainly one of the most visually stunning of the characters that we see both in the live action Star Wars films and uh, a guy that we get to see and hear a lot more about in the Clone Wars animated series. So uh, one of the reasons that uh, Tom and I, as we always do on every show, we're either plugging the Clone Wars or Rebels, and certainly the Clone Wars in this case is a great thing to, to delve into if you enjoy Jedi Master Plo Koon. He gets a lot of extra screen time in that series and you get to uncover a lot of additional fun facts about him. So, uh, guys, I think uh, with with that being said, we're going to delve into a little bit just about his character. Uh, what is it about Plo Koon that appeals to both of you?
1: Um, like you said, you know, visually stunning. And one of those interesting characters on the Jedi Council when we saw them in the uh, prequels, you know, there's a lot of really cool-looking characters, uh, you know, in those seats. Uh, but Plo Koon with his... Uh, Eye shades and his uh, mouth breather. There was a really a particularly cool look about him. We didn't see too much about him. Of course, we did see him unfortunately die in the uh, Order sixty six. But um, I think that's what what part of it is. As Pat implored me to watch the Clone Wars, uh, this what I had always seen as a side character absolutely flourish in the Clone Wars and really become. You could consider like one of the best Jedi ever just with yeah. his steadfastness and his character. Um, it was really a fascinating exploration of a side character, almost like Boba Fett had a cool look. Right. And everyone just you, you sort of could not avoid looking at him. And he got his entire character fleshed out in the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, it's a funny, funny little aside there. It's one of the things as they were uh, creating the Clone Wars, the director of the Clone Wars uh, was known to have talked about the fact that Lucas was of the opinion that, you know, he was kind of a disturbing looking character. And anyone who thought Plo Koon was cool was probably a very disturbed individual. So uh, certainly fitting for me. It's uh, it's impressive to know that George Lucas knows me so well. But uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things within Star Wars. It's it's about the alien species and these characters that you see him and you're like, "Whoa, that is you know I've never seen anything like that." We were actually talking uh, the other day, and and you had mentioned that uh, just the way that his head looks, it, you know, it looks like brain material, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. and it's uh, almost reminiscent of the Pizza the Hut character.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a spaceballs mainstay, right? Course. Right? Yes. <laughs>
1: With pepperoni.
0: That's right. We we know <laughs> Scott, uh, Tom was mentioning that Scott loves anything related to pizza. So we got a Pizza the Hut uh, reference in. Thanks to Charles and, and his observation. But, uh, you know, the other thing that you mentioned is, you know, the uh, the breath mask, that Antiox breath mask that he uses, which allows him to actually breathe in space. But uh, he's a native of the planet uh, Doran. He's a Keldor. And uh, they they breathe a mix of uh, Doran gas and helium and can only handle very small amounts of oxygen. So uh, that very distinctive look to his particular character uh, was very much just about staying alive for him.
2: Okay, but if you run it back, he never actually said the face mask. Charles called him a mouth breather.
0: He did. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right.
2: So I mean, the face mask is cool, and and <laughs> vital, but he's not a mouth breather. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. I, I I think that um, you know I I like him for very much the same reasons that you do Rob. Uh he's just he's sort of a captivating character. Um that clearly, you know, they, they they went above and beyond to to get his his prosthetics and his makeup right for the films and then, you know, with with Dave Filoni liking him so much then we get to see so much more of him in the Clone Wars, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly he is a, a favorite character of uh, of Dave Filoni. And it's kind of an interesting path that they took to kind of settling on exactly how Plo Koon was going to be portrayed. They were originally thinking that he was going to be uh, kind of more of a Japanese inspired character, very much samurai like they had even looked into getting, uh, you know, a, a Japanese actor to portray him within the within the uh, live action films. And then it kind of, moved away from that Lucas kind of thought that maybe that was going to be too cold or uncaring a a feel for the character and decided he wanted to take him more of a comedic act uh, or a comedic vein to how he was going to be played and ultimately you know Filoni kind of settled on him being more of kind of this uh you know this thoughtful quiet but still incredibly capable character that we get to know within especially the Clone Wars and he's very important in the Clone Wars too, because you start to realize that uh, Ahsoka Tano, who is a character that is now going to be coming to live action and has already made uh, a couple of little debut appearances, both in the Mandalorian, <clears throat> excuse me, the Mandalorian and uh, the Book of Boba Fett, uh, Ahsoka Tano was actually discovered by Plo Koon.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget that that business on Kato Namoida.
0: he and his squad flying they their uh arc 170s uh during the as charles pointed out earlier order 66 uh when that got issued and he he ended up being shot down by his own squad and killed uh on the cusp of victory there at Cato, no Apparently they were originally going to have him survive, uh, you know, jettison or eject out of his, uh, his fighter and uh, survive only to be killed later by the troopers, gunning him down. But uh, certainly a character I would have loved to see somehow survive order 66, but uh, was not to be for, for master Plo Koon.
1: Yeah. And you see him, you know, the, as a character coming from the prequels and literally blossoming in the Clone Wars itself. But before that, the Clone Wars movie, from what I remember, because I fell asleep very early in that one, um, you know, we're introduced to Ahsoka in that movie, and as the story goes, that it was to be a new Padawan for Obi-Wan, but of course she's assigned to um, Anakin. And that's where the entire bond happens. But like you said, Rob, where uh, Plo Koon first found her on her planet. Mm -hmm. Um, What's that called? Uh, There we go. Thank you. Um, So he brings her into the Jedi order. And from that moment, there is a strong bond. And you see that throughout the clone Wars series. Uh, It sometimes surpasses what she has with Anakin Mm -hmm. in a certain way, but that is a very telling and very touching story uh, arc from the beginning. And that flashback where we first see him that like adorable little, uh scene that we see uh i think it's in the gathering episode and when i saw that it's almost like one of uh dave filoni's little uh, little sketches that he does you know like those those famous little sketches it has so much emotion for what a five second maybe four second animated scene it has so much power but it really does define their connection throughout the entire series
0: yeah i mean it's it's one of those scenarios where certainly, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin had their pet names, uh, you know, Snips and Sky Guy, but she also had very much the same type of, of relationship with Plo Koon. She would always refer to him as master Plo and he called her little Soka. And, Mm. uh, you know, they, they definitely cared very much for each other. I think with him, it was more, uh, almost a father figure or an older mentor, as opposed to her relationship with Anakin, which was kind of like an older brother, younger sister, uh, relationship but certainly you know plo Koon is someone who comes into contact multiple times within the clone Wars series with uh with ahsoka and every time as you said there's there's so much emotion there there's so much respect and and they really uh connect on a deeper level than than they connect with a lot of other characters
2: yes i agree (laughs) um yeah and it's well it's it's interesting because you you know um what we know about how Dave Filoni loves both of these characters. So to have, have him really find his character interesting in the prequels and then to create Ahsoka, it's almost fitting to have this character that he endears discover this other one that that he's created.
0: Absolutely. So uh, kind of getting into a little bit of of some of the important events that Plo Koon is involved in within the arc of both the films, as well as the animated series. Uh, Certainly he was one of the first, uh, one of the Jedi that took part in that first Battle of Geonosis, when all the uh, Jedi came to the aid of Anakin and Padme and Obi Wan uh, to free them from the Geonosians, and um, again there were a lot of Jedi that got cut down in that battle. It's a testament to his abilities with a lightsaber. Who, uh, it's actually brought up in the Clone Wars animated series that uh, by Anakin, that uh, Plo Koon is one of the only Jedi, if any, if any other even exists, that were able to best Yoda in a lightsaber duel.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so true. And that was an interesting yeah. part that I did not know that. And in that battle on Geonosis, uh, we see Plo Koon with Ki-Adi Mundi up on like an upper deck sort of level at the start of that battle. Mm-hmm. And then as the, the battle progresses, you see, you know, various Jedi being cut down and, and blasted and all that kind of stuff. And then that final sort of grouping of 10, 12 Jedi that are left. And then shortly after Ki-Adi Mundi and Plo Koon are led back into this grouping by some droids so it clearly tells that they were not only did they survive the battle but they were doing massive damage to uh the droids somewhere else and they were finally brought down to be amongst the other remaining jedi for their seemingly final uh breath before they're going to be killed
2: right seemingly final (laughs) seemingly (laughs) well yeah yes And it's—I mean—and that's you know again—it speaks to um, to his uh, expertise, I would say. Yeah. Um, With a lightsaber, but also in combat, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just you know handling a blade; it's it's using it effectively against this barrage of droids that come in wave after wave.
0: Yeah, and he was, you know, he would certainly be considered one of the Jedi Masters who was certainly a patient guy, certainly uh, someone who was considered one of the wisest of the Jedi, uh, as evidenced by the fact that he was selected to be on the Jedi Council. And, uh, you see a lot of that just in the way that his character is portrayed. He's always very thoughtful, uh, rather soft spoken. You can tell he's, he's kind of thinking his way through things. Uh, actually one of the things about that Antioch's breath mask is that it would actually amplify his voice because he was a relatively soft spoken individual. Um, So he's an amazing star uh, starfighter pilot. He's an amazing Mm -hmm. lightsaber duelist. He is certainly one of the wisest of the Jedi. And on top of all that, he has uh, some Jedi skills that in some cases other Jedi would have, but he has them at such a, a much higher level. And in some cases he has powers that none of the other Jedi exhibit throughout any of what we see in canon.
1: Now that does come back to his lineage, right? As a as a force user from his planet, he's mm-hmm. got a long lineage of uh, force users in his family that give them very unique abilities and I would say powers, but uh, the ways of working with the force that give him extremely unique ways of uh, generating not only but attacks but uh techniques that no one else actually had.
0: Yeah, uh certainly, you know, one of the things that that comes up in one of the episodes in the Clone Wars is there is a, a crowd of uh the public that that has kind of uh, encroached on the Jedi temple and they're starting to uh, do some spray painting and kind of defacing of the temple and uh Plo Kuhn is, is able to use Jedi, uh, the Jedi mind trick on a group of about 20 people to get them to disperse. Yeah. And you never see that anywhere else in star Wars. It's, you know, an individual maybe, uh, has the mind trick, uh, used against them or a sound is used to distract, you know, maybe a couple people as we saw with Obi-Wan on the death stars, he was shutting down the tractor beam, but we never really see it used on mass. And, and I do agree. I think part of that is because of his Keldoran lineage. Um, We see the same type of thing with Yoda, right? Yoda is so powerful because his his species, whatever that is, Mm. uh, has such a strong connection to the force. Uh, And there were certainly species that that did have stronger connections, or maybe connections that uh, manifested themselves in ways where some of their force powers were stronger than what you would see with, you know, the average Jedi. Now, the other major skill that he has that you don't really see anywhere else from the Jedi, we certainly see it uh, from the Sith uh, with Palpatine. You certainly see it with the Dathomiri, uh, the witches uh, on Dathomir, uh, who you see again in, in some of the animated series, but the ability to use force lightning. And and for Plo Koon, his is referred to as Electric Judgment, which I just think is an awesome name anyway. <laughs> That's so cool. And instead of being, uh, you know, the the Dathomir force lightning was. Is typically red. Uh, what you see Palpatine use is that, you know, you know, that very uh, bright blue. But uh, electric judgment was more of a yellow force lightning. And uh, it was pretty controversial skill uh, amongst the Jedi. There were a lot of Jedi who weren't sure that uh, Plo Koon should even be using that.
2: Listen, when all your vehicles go, um, you know, electric. Right. How else are you going to charge them? <laughs> He's a hero. He is. Okay. He's a hero.
1: He's a charging station too. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> oh man! Um, so yeah, it's 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 very cool to see, you know, because we've seen Force Lightning several, several, several times in you know the films, in television, and everything. But to see a Jedi who's so so. Cool and calm and steadfast because every time we see it it's it's in it's used in anger. Right. Okay. So to see Plo be able to harness that ability without tapping into that anger. Yeah. Or into that hatred to fuel it. Right. Is is fascinating.
0: Yeah, and that's the reason that he is able to essentially use it to incapacitate. He's not using it to kill, uh, as you pointed out. You know, one of the things with with uh, his use of electric judgment was that when you know he he certainly was forthcoming about it with the Jedi Order. Uh, he let them know that that he had done this, and they questioned whether he should be using something like that. And it goes to that whole conversation of, are there light side and dark side abilities, or is it your intent? Is it uh, how you use those powers? And uh, with this particular power, you know, they they were encouraging him. You really need to think about this. And, and if you were using it from the proper place, because it could easily be a path to the dark side. And, uh, you know, Plo went back and, and thought it through and realized, you know, I, I wasn't using it in passion. I was using it as a tool. Uh, There was no anger. There was no fear. Uh, It was simply used as a means to incapacitate. And uh, based on that, he felt like there was really no limit to him using this power.
1: And that really speaks to his character because he took that time to meditate and do whatever he – think through that process. And he was able to find his center and realize that this was for the greater good. And that's one of his – like you know uh central spires of his characters he always has the ability to see what is for the greater good to sometimes it may come off as a um uh a lack of vision for what's currently going on uh, in the moment or you know taking the emotion out of a decision but then he's able to see that situation and say look we need this is what we need to do like that one time when um Uh, Ahsoka was uh, sort of missing uh, on one of those episodes in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And Anakin was visibly upset. Of course, who wouldn't be? It's his Padawan. But uh, Flo Koon was like, look, our mission here is done. We need to go back to Coruscant, back to the Jedi uh, Council and determine our next steps. Not that he didn't believe that she was important. He knew inherently that she was going to be found and they were going to do this together. So he had that Very singular vision that not many of the Jedi had at all, where he really had that uh, ability to cut through everything else that was going on and uh, focus his uh, beliefs and what was going – what needed to be done to get the job done. And that was a very rare situation for many of the Jedi on that council
0: and it wasn't the only time that that he had that type of reaction to Ahsoka being missing I mean uh, when she went missing after she had been accused of the the bombing at the Jedi Temple within the Clone Wars uh, something that, that she had been framed for uh, and she was off hiding and essentially trying to prove her innocence and Anakin of course uh, with his attachment to his Padawan is just frantic you know I have to mm-hmm. find her I'm going to find her I'm going to bring her back and Plo Koon you know, basically does a very similar thing. He tells him, you know, aren't are you concerned that you did not train her well enough? And Anakin says, No, yeah. I, I know I yeah. did. Uh, and Plo says, you know, well, then maybe you are thinking about this wrong. You don't have to bring her back. She'll find her way back. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's that type of dichotomy between a Plo Koon who is that mature, wise, thoughtful Jedi who can have a relationship with someone who means very much to him without it being attachment, without it being Mm -hmm. something that drives him to, to making rash decisions. And uh, you know, then to see Anakin who is just at the other end of that spectrum, who feels everything so passionate, uh, passionately, and just cannot bring himself and set himself outside of a situation uh, to trust his Padawan that, that yes, I did train her and, and she is capable of, of handling this without me taking care of it for her. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the other really interesting things about Plo Koon as a character, and, and you do see this throughout the arc of the, the confrontation with the Jedi and the uh, separatists there within the Clone War, is that there were certainly Jedi who looked upon the troops that they led as uh, you know a, a resource. Uh, they cared about them, but they were not uh, emotionally kind of attached to them. Uh, And then you had other Jedi masters like a Pong Krell who uh, very much just did not care. They, they (laughs) considered them, you know, uh, completely expendable resources. But at the other end of that, and, and I know that, uh, you know, we see this with uh, Commander Wolf, who is a, one of the clone troopers that works extensively with, with Plo Koon throughout the Clone Wars, uh, that he actually truly cared about every one of those clones under his command he He wanted them to survive. He did not uh, you know just discount them as soldiers that had been manufactured for the purpose of running this war. And that was something that really caused the clone troops to uh to bond with him and uh, look at him very differently from a lot of other jedi. what What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, I think that you know with any leader. You've got to instill that confidence in those that are serving under you. So you know if if you've got a crow who absolutely <laughs> does not care, um, then you you might be a little hesitant to uh, follow his orders because he doesn't care what's gonna happen to you. <laughs> um, however when when you have a leader that's going to you know, be in the trenches with you, be in those starfighters with you leading the attack, you know, as the spearhead of your entire attack, um, you you have more, more faith in them and more confidence in the plan, because you know, Master Plo is not going to want his troops to die, especially not unnecessarily. I mean, there's going to be death. But to... To, you know, formulate in a plan or an attack or some sort of strategy that's going to be effective, yet keep as many of them alive as you can, is definitely a plan that any one of them would have wanted to be a part of. Because if there's anything we've learned from the Clone Wars television show is that they are not zombies. No. They are their own individual people, and they're they're clearly – sentient and and have a desire to stay alive yeah so so when you've got when you've got someone who's just as invested in your well-being as you are it's so much easier to follow them and then it 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 proves their leadership
0: yeah and sadly i mean this is how it was so easy to take him out i mean he was he was flying lead on that formation, which is why the clone troopers were able to get the drop on him when Order 66 got uh, got issued. And the same type of thing mm-hmm. with ki Mundi and uh, Isla Secura and all the Jedi you really see in that montage. They're all leading from the front, uh, and they all mm-hmm. pay for it. But I do have to say I am super sad that Pong Krell was a character that, that had a limited life within uh, the animated series, primarily because you don't get to see too many Jedi Masters with four arms, dual-wielding, double bladed lightsabers, which is possibly one of the coolest things uh, <laughs> that I ever saw within the Clone Wars. It was just, you know, dual wielding has always been one of my favorite lightsaber styles, you know, I have two single bladed lightsabers. But when I saw double bladed dual wield, I was like, Oh, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then you realize the guy is just like the king of dirtbags.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, okay, so you have to think about it this way. Like, you can't have a guy that's like, super talented and and has double the amount of arms that most other people do and and he's incredibly <laughs> effective with a blade and be like everyone's best. Friend. Awesome. <laughs> you no, can't. But they could. Have. <laughs> he's like Superman. He's invincible. This guy's too perfect. He's got
1: to be a jerk. He
0: would have been a great inquisitor though. Oh, oh wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Right. But I digress. <laughs>
1: From the perspective of Plo Koon and his perspective on the clones, uh, it's – first of all, we're talking about the literally the first episode or the first few episodes of the Malevolence uh, arc of the Clone Wars. And Plo Koon's leading this uh, this mission to discover this super cruiser. Right. Uh, so the fact that Dave Filoni is now in charge of the Clone Wars TV series uh, and he's front and center – And he displays this amazing uh, empathy for the clones and literally in that quote where, uh, you know, uh, the the three or four clones that he's with at this point sort of derelict in this little ship. And uh, they're like, no one's going to come for us. And he says to them, you know, like, well, why do you think that? Why, Why do you think no one's coming? And one of the clones replies, well, we're just clones. You know, we're meant to be expendable. And he replies, not to me. Right episode one two or three you know it, but at the very beginning of this massively important series they determine this is how Clo, plo Koon is going to be working he has the entire uh, almost spiritual and he you know he's very parochial in his in his mannerisms he's always got his hands together so not to like lend it to a church or to a priest but he's got a very centered spirit from what is going on around him yeah. and that makes him very unique in the jedi council and immediately endearing and to have that empathy for other quote-unquote expendable creatures uh, is a very nice way of looking at um respecting the lives that are you know trying to do the right thing but Ultimately, like you said, Rob, in war there's going to be lots of casualties, but he doesn't make them expendable. He makes them hopefully worthwhile in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, when when you have troops that know that you care about them and their and their survival, uh, yeah, they know that they know that their brothers are going to die, and it could be them, uh, mm. but those lives aren't going to be thrown away pointlessly, which is yeah. sadly what we saw a lot with that Pong Krell arc. Uh, but no one ever was concerned about that with. Uh, with plo Koon, and you know as you pointed out you know that malevolence uh arc again to be stranded in those life pods and to see droids coming around and essentially venting those life pods into space yeah uh and again he had well at the time right republic uh officers in that pod as well mm-hmm. and these are the people that end up you know forming the uh, the <laughs> backbone of the imperial navy so what a bunch of <laughs> skis balls there! right thanks for saving us you're gonna pay for this later but <laughs> <laughs> yep so yeah uh we do actually get to see another really key arc with plo Koon in that particular uh, clone wars series in that uh Sifo Dyas, who, who again, most fans are going to know from the films, and especially if you have uh, listened to or read the the Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, there's, there's the you know the audio version of it, which is really more of a a play, uh, but you get so much additional background on the character of Sifo Dyas and his relationship with Count Dooku. Uh, and Plo Koon is actually the Jedi that really cracks the mystery of what had happened to Sifo Dyas within the arc of the
1: Clone Wars. So, do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Um, for me, this is one of the most important arcs in the Clone Wars itself because it really does help bridge the gap between uh, where we see everyone end at the Force. Uh, sorry, Force Awakens. <laughs> where we see everyone end at the Phantom Menace through the Clone Wars, and then the Revenge of the Sith, where that army is raised. And when we see all these thousands of troops at the end of the uh, Attack of the Clones, this arc so well defines how this came to be and how uh, important not only was Plo Koon in helping define this uh, extremely important uh, piece of the lore, it also then bridges how can this happen? Like, Oh, suddenly you guys got a, you know, an army that was built up 10, you know, 10 years ago. And it's, um, I'm anxious to see once the star wives, uh, finish this arc. Um, they may like Yoda even less if that's possible. Um, <laughs>
2: at this point, hey, one of them likes
1: him.
0: I was going to say
1: one of them, likes <laughs> one of them doesn't like him enough for five or six people, but yes, um, <laughs> This is going to be a uh, a fantastic revelation for them to see how this came about, and it's. I wish it had more importance because, it is is it's key. It's absolutely key for the entire Star Wars saga.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's the main thing. Is you know it's so it's kind of understated in the films, and it's and it's only really brought up really as far as. I recollect one time in the clone wars mm. in that arc but without saiperds and without you know kind of the path that he went down you would have none of the story right mm-hmm. because you wouldn't have any of any of the army that that would you know fight in the clone wars and betray the jedi and then lead to the rise of the galactic empire and and everything that we know and see from the skywalker saga at least um was really reliant on the acts of cytheius
0: yeah and and the other cool thing about that arc is that it ties back in uh they actually find his ship uh on obadiah which is the mm-hmm. the homeworld of the pikes and uh you get to see you know that pike syndicate which it's very cool how much the pikes have kind of bled into the the live action portions of star wars because they are such a cool group uh we do need to get them their own transportation but uh (laughs) that's that's a, a story for another time uh
2: you know i yeah just for for the sake of rob i'm going to complete my pike cosplay I love it. And then and then take one of the Sarasota County transport
0: buses <laughs> and get a video of it.
2: Yes, <laughs> exactly. The, the, pikes, the,
0: and, yeah, waiting, the pikes and the pikes and space Uber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I will I'll uh, get that blown up and put on the wall of the studio here. Space. That's going that's going to come in very handy. So, yeah, Something. I mean yeah, uh, certainly, you know, certainly him finding, uh, the ship that, that, uh, mm-hmm. had previously been used by, uh, sifo and had gone missing and discovering his lightsaber, which was really, uh, kind of the piece yeah. that, that tied it in, that it truly was the ship that he had gone down on, uh, really does kind of, to bring that back full circle, uh, and kind of bring that story, uh, a little bit of closure, I guess, but, uh, it's interesting to know, you know, sifo is another member that had been on the Jedi Council and, and had tried to warn them of this vision that he'd had of this impending disaster that was going to sweep the galaxy. Uh, and it was his idea to to create the clone army. Now, they never really uh, that I'm aware of. I don't I don't think they really uh, cover the fact of whether he actually had gone to Camino, I believe it's generally accepted that uh, he was killed before he could go. And Dooku mm-hmm. uh, was the, yeah. was the individual who had gone and ordered the army in his behalf kind of uh, as part of the plan with him and sifo and not sifo sorry, Sidious. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. So close, right? That,
0: yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just it's a crazy arc that that doesn't really get addressed within most of most of what we see on the screen. Uh, thankfully, with Dooku Jedi Lost, if if you're interested in that story, definitely go check that that's out. Uh, yeah. And you know, certainly watching some of the Clone Wars will be helpful with that as well.
1: And that's a, another fantastic trait of Plo Koon because uh, whether or not they were close friends, Cypodius and Plo Koon I'm talking about, um, he knew Plo Koon knew that. Uh, while on the council, he, like you said, he had these visions of this cataclysmic event and the requirement for an army. And so whether or not he created it or it was with uh dooku or whatever, however that came about, Plo Koon was defending his honor once it was found on Obadiah that yes, this is his ship. Here's his lightsaber. Don't forget, and you know, I'm sort of you know verbatim here, but Plo Kuhn was pointing out, yes, he was on the council. Here's his lightsaber. And he was the one pointing out 10 years ago right. that we were going to need this clone army. And you guys kicked him off the council. So he has his best interests, uh, and I'm talking about Sifo-Dyas, in his heart because he knows that this is what was required. And what a fantastic way of um, you know honoring his uh, sacrifice or his death for whether it was the greater good or not, but it was a very important part of of the story. And he acknowledged that and almost made the council realize, and they did, they did Mm -hmm. realize that it was, you guys missed the boat on this one. And they even said in the episode, yeah, we've missed the boat on a bunch of things at this point. Right.
0: Well, no, it's an important part, uh, an important point to make, because I think that was one of the things that turned out to be the downfall of the Jedi was the fact that the Jedi council, and we do see some of this, you know, apprentice and master, uh, the book series, the book apprentice and master that has come out here in the last few years, where you really get to see that relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And more importantly, the fact that, you know, Qui-Gon was offered a place on the council, uh, that he ended up turning down, uh, but he would have probably been one of the things that could have potentially staved off some of some of what came. Uh, there was just too much of a, uh, a like-mindedness I think to the council in terms of what they accepted as the norm and what they thought was a little bit too far-fetched uh and certainly sifo opinions about uh, his vision and and what he thought was coming did not resonate with them they didn't take it seriously and not surprising that Plo Koon would be the Jedi Master who uh would kind of accept the fact that that they all made a mistake in in not listening uh I I even think about the fact that you know as Ahsoka is being shown around uh, the Jedi Temple archive by uh, Jocasta Nu and Plo Koon comes in and accesses the the holocron vault. uh, You know, it was clearly something that that he was still doing was going down and and learning from former masters and accessing Mm. some of this knowledge that was on these holocrons, even though he was a Jedi Master, even though he was a member of the Council. Mm. you know, he was very aware that that he was wise enough to know what he didn't know uh, and to accept the <laughs> fact that maybe he did have blind spots that he needed to be able to see beyond. So that was kind of in short uh, in short supply on the Jedi Council and the time that he was uh, serving on it.
2: And I think, too, not to not to drop another Hamilton quote, but, um, you know, when hi- when history has its eyes on you, you um, you know you 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 want to be on the right side of history no matter what it really does for you in the moment you know you have to reconcile your decisions with your core beliefs and for for Plo Koon, that meant sticking by a colleague of his or or a, you know a um a fellow Jedi master and saying hey look you know this this guy was not kind of the the crazy person you guys painted him to be. Um, You know, he was, he was deeply concerned about our future and he was seeing these visions and, and having these, these warnings for us that we didn't listen to. Now we need to, you know, kind of preserve his memory in a more positive light than you guys have been portraying. Mm. And, and in doing so, you know, Plo himself kind of, uh, you know, cements himself as as a Jedi that was concerned about not only, you know, the the legacy of the Jedi, but but of that brotherhood that he had formed there.
1: Mm, Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that the that brotherhood included Ahsoka when she was implicated in that uh, that plot for the bombing of the Jedi Temple. Now, okay, I'll ask a very sensitive question because it came up when I was watching this arc. And, you know, a lot of arcs in the Clone Wars have been covered and talked about. This particular arc where Ahsoka essentially chooses to leave the Jedi Order uh, is extremely emotional. And, okay, and it's a little bit, you know, it's off topic for uh, Plo Koon in a sense. But do you think that when the Jedi Council elected to excommunicate her from the Jedi Council, was that a uh, a unanimous vote or a majority vote?
0: For me personally, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a majority vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I mean – I just got done talking about how the, the council was so kind of homogenous in terms of always kind of agreeing on the same course of action. There may have been people that pressed for it, and, and I could definitely see Plo Koon arguing against it. But ultimately, for them to to essentially excommunicate her from the order, uh, I would think it would take all of them being in agreement in order for that to happen. So I, I he certainly is the is the person who should have known better. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as Ahsoka goes, but yeah, it's, you know, if in fact he did allow the the council to kind of pull him or sway him to their way of thinking, uh, it's kind of a sad statement about his relationship with Ahsoka. Yes.
2: I, you know, I kind of feel at this point in the game, the council is less inclusive as they should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've mm. got the council, which, uh, Rob, how many members are on the council? Twelve, I believe. Okay. <laughs> and, well, I mean, out of all of us, he's the one that's going <laughs> to know the answer. He should know. So, so <laughs> that being said, um, how many do you really see routinely bringing up issues, sort of governing this body? Like three or four. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So despite the fact that there are – 12 members on the council mm-hmm. you're getting really a very heavy-handed influence by a very select few right and if what they want is you know x y and z that's likely what's going to happen right and when you're trying to even save face even if you don't believe um that that she was responsible but you're trying to save face and and kind of distance yourself from her and and whatever um, you know, she's accused of, not even found guilty of, but accused of. It's not going to take much, and I don't think it's going to take a, a unanimous vote.
1: And if you include Assange Ventures in this uh, equation, uh, it's a simple leap to, okay, well, if she's in, if she's mixed in this, right, it's a quick jump. And so, as the council itself realized, their Err, in their ways, offered that bow for her to come back, um, and she turned it away, I can only imagine how heart-wrenching that must have been for Plo Koon, where he was the one who brought her into the Order, and despite, likely, despite his uh, influence or his attempted influence, she chose to pull away from the Jedi Council and go on her own way and her own path. Uh, that must have been heart-wrenching for him, and as a character who's so righteous and takes sort of like a, you know, a massive thirty-thousand-foot view of all situations for the best outcome for every person in a situation, that must have been extremely hard for him to swallow and to uh, come to terms with. It's uh,
0: it's wow. it's interesting too, because in that scene. Uh, As Ahsoka, you know, declines the offer to return to the Jedi Order and leaves the council chamber, uh, Anakin, you know, of course, follows her and Obi-Wan starts to leave to follow her. And it's Plo Koon. Plo Koon holds him back. And it's and it's so interesting because Plo is watching uh, someone who is, you know, like, you know, not not a brother in the sense that Obi-Wan and Anakin are. Uh, But certainly someone who he is very close with, and he holds himself back from stopping them because he understands that they're doing what they have to do. And, uh, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't, is held back from following Anakin, uh, who is going to not, you know, not long down the road is going to also be leaving the Jedi Order and kind of teaches Obi-Wan a little lesson in that moment uh, about, you know, just letting letting him go and do what he feels like he has to do. Um, but, you know, the other thing to keep in mind through this whole arc is that you're dealing with the Jedi Order and these Jedi Masters who are looked to by the Order as, as you know, these the, the source of wisdom and the source of guidance based on their experience and their connection with the Force. And that connection with the Force was severely hindered by the rise of the dark side. And you could, you know, you could argue this dark side temple underneath the the Jedi temple uh, which had also been kind of seeping in and corrupting their ability to, to, you know, commune with the, the light side of the force. Uh, of course you've got people who, you know, they have relied on the force to to guide them and it's no longer guiding them the way they're used to. So they're kind of uh, searching in the dark, trying to figure out what to do and they know they're expected to be guiding the order. So they got to make a decision, you know, they, they clearly, were having to rely on something other than their connection with the Force to make some of these decisions. And, and they made some bad decisions as a result. They were just kind of kind of guessing their way through it. Um, and I think maybe that's part of why we see some uncharacteristic decisions. And it shouldn't have been that hard. I mean, certainly with Plo uh, and his uh, and his uh, connection with Ahsoka, he should have been able to trust in more than just the Force. He should have been able to trust in, in her as a person. But uh, mm. sadly, that was not the case.
2: Yeah, I feel that we're very impressed with with you know uh, sort of the way Plo conducted himself and and Charles and I had spoken with this uh, about this with Obi Wan uh, a few weeks ago. So you've got these these standout Jedi that are you know very uh, concerned about their their you know other people's well-being and and just doing the right thing. I feel like that shouldn't be standout. That should be the, the, the sort of mm. cornerstone for right. all the Jedi. Like we're 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 pointing out these few individuals for like their morality. Right. Mm. And, yeah. and why? Because they're the few that are moral. Right. And you're looking at this whole like it's organization and you're like why why are we you know impressed when one of them is moral? They should all be moral.
1: Right. Right. So,
2: yeah. so to have to have that situation where, you know, they make terrible decisions or or they miscalculate or overthink things. It's like we've we've come to expect that. Yeah. So mm. so you know, you've got this, this these these pillars of um of you know righteousness in, in the galaxy and it's and they're not at this point.
0: <laughs> I think I think we kind of answered the the question, though, earlier with part of what we were talking about. He cared about people. You know, people mattered to him. And we see yeah. uh, in season seven of the Clone Wars that that was one of the things that Jedi had really failed at was was making the common individual in mm-hmm. the, in the galaxy feel like they cared at all about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something that Plo Koon was very good at. I mean, he he understood that I can care about you without being attached. Right. Uh, then, of and course, there. No, sorry, I was I was going to say, there's plenty of Jedi who claim that they are they have don't have attachment that clearly did. Uh, so, right. Right. So and they then failed you have both of common ways.
2: folks such as the Martez sisters, who um, who really um, and you know, uh, were disenfranchised to the Jedi because of because of their their perceived superiority right. and and lack of caring of of the common folk right like your uh like your you know your um spaceship mechanics uh like niku and and things like that
0: i i couldn't i couldn't have said it better myself citizen it isn't <laughs> <laughs> terrific any other uh last last second uh, comments you guys want to make about any
1: other last words <laughs> you <Yeah>. two idiots <laughs>
0: You guys have done a perfectly adequate job.
1: (laughs) Adequate, yes. You
2: email my old high school teachers because this is really going to get to them.
0: (laughs) You got an A for adequate. (laughs) (laughs) No, any uh, any last comments you guys want to make about Jedi Master Plo Koon?
1: Um, you know, as a leader of the Wolf Pack and as a you know Starfighter pilot. Uh, That we saw, unfortunately, not too often. But when we did see it in the Clone Wars, it was fantastic. Uh, I will—I don't want to bring up his death scene in uh, *Revenge of the Sith*, but uh, he was a master starfighter. Don't
2: first of all, a mouth breather. Now you're talking about his death. (laughs) What's (laughs) right? Do you even like the guy?
0: He doesn't want to bring up his death, but he led with his death, I believe, in, in his first <laughs> comments. I want to
2: bring up his death, but there was this time he was flying a starship, and
0: I was trying really cool. <laughs> really, I was trying to give you guys a chance to uh, to talk a little bit about the man who voiced Plo Koon in the Clone Wars. Oh, and I know you're always happy to talk about him.
2: um we actually uh, one one of our uh intros for our podcast has has a little sprinkling of of Plo Koon. it does in in one of our uh, intros uh, uh Mr James Arnold Taylor, of course um has um has really been the voice of plocoon yeah because there's there's really not he's he's, he's like he's like maul in live action where yes. yeah. you, you you might get like a grunt from him but that's about it um and and in the clone wars really you you get to know him yeah and and you get to to hear him and of course you have the uh the duality of of those two jedi you know both voiced by by James so um, he's, he's one of our favorites. So yeah. I, I appreciate being, uh, being able to speak about that instead of, uh, talking about his death.
0: <laughs> now, James Arnold Taylor, uh, absolutely is the beating heart of Plo Koon. And it's amazing. I, I always have so much respect for really great voice actors and their ability to even voice, as you point out, uh, several characters within the same show, uh, and to give each their own personality and uh, and to just the way Plo speaks in the Clone Wars, uh, his wisdom and and his deep thought about everything around him, and and just how calm he is uh, and kind of unflappable, uh, it just all comes through in the way that character is voiced. So certainly, shout out to James Arnold Taylor. Uh, we're the JTA podcast. He's JAT. Uh, we're, we're clearly we're clearly linked somehow. I guess this is my way of saying, James, please call me. I need an intro.
2: I well see, that's that's you know, I, I'd like to have a conversation, if you will, um, with Jat and Pat, if you get what I mean.
0: <laughs> oh boy, climbing the Charles, ladder for that one! you can
2: one. be there too, buddy. <laughs> Maybe
0: wonderful. Why? <laughs> why don't you guys let everyone know where they can find you guys and the Conversations podcast?
2: Oh man, we're like online and stuff, apparently Um, (laughs) We have, uh, well, we do have our flagship Our website, and that is Conversations.com One of us knows how to tweet uh, And it's not me So we are on Twitter, at Suations We also have an Instagram page And that's Conversations I don't know if we're doing anything there I don't do it so I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh and facebook.com/conversations we are uh, I like to say that. Uh we are uh part of the Red Five network as mm-hmm. as is this fine gentleman and Rob and um <laughs> and uh and and as is as is Roe and and we're thinking of Roe obviously. And yes. um and and um that's it we have a, so a t-shirt shop but you know one of us has been lacking on updating that as it, well it
0: really doesn't matter we we have a t-shirt shop too and every, about every five seconds I get a notification that something <laughs> something's been flagged by Lucasfilm uh, you can't even can't even mock up a probe droid to look like Wilson no, anymore see, you
2: know, I, I I think it it no, nope, we're gonna keep our tactics to ourselves. I like it. <laughs> I like it because I think we've cracked the code. Yes, share
0: <laughs> share with the class. Uh, it's it's also <laughs> worth noting that Pat has got uh, an amazing beard, so uh, oh. he is he is oh, well, truly you. he has truly uh, grown a Kenobi like set of facial hair.
2: Well, I believe I should tell you, I can't wait till May twenty fifth.
0: <laughs> Lovely. And uh, again, I should point out that I am very much looking forward to you guys making it out to Chicago for ScarifCon 2022 this year. I'm given early uh early props to that it's going to be i believe july 23rd saturday july 23rd mm-hmm. at yes. uh at know, bill murray's sure. restaurant in chicago <laughs> so uh if you were in the chicagoland area definitely check that out we'll have more information as we get closer but thank you guys both for coming on and chatting uh, a little bit of plo Koon with me i know he's a, a character that's near and dear to all of us and uh certainly if you want to find us you can find us at jta podcast dot uh, com you can also reach out to us on email at jtapodcast at gmail.com we're on twitter and instagram at jtapodcast and i think we even have a pinterest page still uh, wow that my wife occasionally updates with uh, with information so you can uh, find that out there as well so don't hesitate to reach out if you ever want to talk star wars if you have ideas for future shows And uh, we will be back hopefully soon with uh, Tom back in the house once he gets settled back in out there in California to wrap up our coverage of the Book of Fett. So thank you guys so much. Have a great day and may the force be with you.